Introduction. Excuse me, where's the ladies? Whenever I watch one of those action films with our heroes locked in a room or cell for hours and hours, I always find myself wondering why there isn't a bucket in there. Sorry, that's just how my mind works. When I was a kid and we holidayed in France, back in the days when French public toilets near a beach could be identified at fifty paces by the smell, my mother used to mark on the map those towns which had a decent loo. As I've got older, I've come to relate to that rather better than I could at ten or eleven. One of the first phrases I learn in a foreign language is, "Excuse me, where's the toilet?" I can say that in French, German, Chinese, Japanese, Greek, and Spanish. I once had a nasty moment in a village on Lake Victoria in Kenya, when I found the public toilet was labelled only in Swahili. Which side was for ladies? Couldn't they have managed one of those little one-legged icons? Incidentally, is that icon meant to represent how you stand with your legs together when you're desperate to go, or is that just a coincidence? We take so much for granted, don't we? I am an Englishwoman, born in the twentieth century, living in the twenty-first. Every morning when I get up, I take a hot shower and put on clean underwear. When I flush my toilet, I don't wonder where the waste goes. When I turn on a tap, water comes out. When I turn on a hot tap, hot water comes out. When I go to the supermarket, I'm confronted by a huge range of laundry products: biological and non-biological, powder, liquid, and gel capsules. This make with ten percent extra free. The other with a coupon for something I don't need. Then there are the shampoos, shower gels, soap, facial wash, facial scrub, deodorants for dry hair, for oily skin, non-animal tested. <laughs> I confess, I choose mostly by the colour, green, to match my bathroom towels. It's hard for my generation and the next to realise how recent all this is, the convenience, the choice, the luxury we have come to regard as normal. If there's a hosepipe ban, we complain bitterly. If the local pharmacy has run out of our favourite shampoo, ditto. My Swedish friend once told me that in her grandmother's house out in the country, they still had to pump water from a well. This was in the late 1980s. One notes these little oddities and continues to live one's life. Of course, if you travel to less fortunate parts of the world, you may catch a glimpse of how things used to be. In 1991, I visited a friend in Jinja, Uganda. He was living on the top floor of a once splendid three-story house. There were two bathrooms on his floor, one of which he used as a kitchen, in fact. But we had to fetch water, cold, from an outside tap, and carry it up the stairs. I'm not sure now whether this was due to an inadequacy in the system or the water shortage, which certainly existed. We were lucky. When I went down to look at the lake. And take a few snaps for my photo album. I passed a line of people climbing back up the hill, carrying their water half a mile into town. Imagine doing that all your life on a daily basis. You wouldn't need to pay for an expensive gym membership, that's for sure. And you'd probably think twice about taking a bath. All of which has made me curious about how our ancestors kept clean. Where did they get their water? Where performed those necessary bodily functions? How did they clean their teeth? Did they clean their teeth? How often did they change their clothes? Costume dramas largely ignore these questions, and even social histories, because they're covering so many other issues, such as the status of women, class, slavery, not to mention diet, clothing, and the like, do not often go into detail. Yet the answers affect our comfort at a very basic level.
not to mention our life expectancy. Waterborne diseases and those which are carried by body lice, for example, flourish where hygiene does not, for whatever reason. This book looks at answers to the above questions in a range of human cultures, across time and across the globe. I have used secondary sources and translations because it would take a lifetime to become sufficiently expert in classical Greek, classical Chinese, hieroglyphics and all the other scripts I would have needed to master. But I have tried to ensure they were good secondary sources. In addition, I have spoken to people from some of the cultures involved and used my own personal experiences of others. I hope you find the journey as interesting as I did.